0: Wait a minute, Wait a turn minute. on the radio, turn my the radio. homie got a new show and it's time to play it's it, to play I
1: it hope you, right. got you got tune. Welcome to the Startup
0: business Showcase, business I'm your host Scott Katoon, joining me, Review Tracker CEO Chris Campbell, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Scott. Excited to be here.
0: Uh, you are the first. We've had guest hosts before. It's usually friends of the program. Not that you're not a friend of the program, but uh, you've been on the pod and stuff, so I, so I feel like we're, we're close enough there. Uh, but usually, you know, I'll have people I know really well on, and, and it's just sort of like, or they're in town, and it's like, what are you doing this weekend? Like, do you want to come co-host a show? But usually it's not specifically lined up for the purposes of being like, we are going to hear pitches. I'm sure you know you're a successful guy and you run a very successful company. I'm sure you hear people pitching to you nonstop, or at least your inbox is full. just of
1: once pitching.
0: or twice, yeah. just a few. Yeah. So and this is common. And the funny thing is, I talk to companies. It's not just entrepreneur. You know, like the the techy companies. There's companies CEOs all over the place, and they get every because they're the only guy who's like, if you're a CEO of a company and you live down the street from somebody whose kid wants to do something, everybody immediately is like, oh, well, you know, Steve's a CEO, so like send it to him. Every CEO gets this. So I felt like I was pigeonholed because I I am a big partner and and fan of Republic that I couldn't be more vocal to the companies. Like I can give them advice, but like I can't be specific. And I was like, you know what? You know what this show needs? Not to say that you have to be the black hat guy, but the show needs like a little bit of the other side. No pressure whatsoever. Well, there's none because you, you leave after the show and you don't have to ever come back. I have to come back next week. Um, so anyway, I, th- I thought that this is a perfect way to kick it off. Um, and also, I mean, the type of company that you're in, I think, also lends itself to something like this. So uh, for, for that, why don't we start off by just having you tell the audience exactly what Review Trackers is and, and what you do so that they know who you are.
1: Hey, my name again is Chris Campbell. Um, I'm the CEO of a company called Review Trackers. We're a software company based out of Chicago. We got about 60 people on our team. And what we do is we help businesses like restaurants, car dealers, healthcare systems track and manage what customers are saying online. So, Scott, when you leave a review of your favorite restaurant, we alert that restaurant and then we analyze that, collect it all, so that the restaurant better understands what you love about your experience, what they can improve. At the end of the day, we're trying to help local businesses succeed. Uh, and today about sixty five thousand businesses take advantage of our software primarily in the u s but we we do offer it in about twenty five countries
0: that's awesome yeah i mean i honestly that it's funny I, I actually of course know what you do, but I always wondered if the comp if they like whether it's companies or it's restaurants or whatever if they actually read it like uh, i i i hope so i mean obviously you you know that they do this is one of those things where I look at the like people I know, and I'm not going to name names, who run businesses where their glass door is just garbage, just hot garbage. And I ask them, like, do you know you're a 2.6? Do you know, like, and you're very commonly mentioned. <laughs> like, and, and it's a 2.6 or 7, not including all the ones, because you've countered them with fake fives. Like You're legit like a 1.8. It's hard. Um, and- they don't know sometimes. I'm like, do you just get to a, a certain level where you're just like, all right. Or like a three-point, I'm out. Like, you just stop reading it?
1: <laughs> you know, I guess it depends on the company. So um, I think every company goes through iterations of, you know, good culture, bad culture, uh, highs, lows, and everything in between. And it's about how you adapt and evolve. In some businesses, the reality is they're going to go, this is just the way we've done business. We're not going to change. But when you think about how tight the labor markets are, you know, the reality is, like, uh, in my world, I think of we're at, like, zero unemployment because we're not hiring people that are unemployed. We're hiring people from stealing them from other yes. companies. And so when it's that competitive... I'm also
0: guilty of that. (laughs) I'm the world's finest poacher.
1: (laughs) Um, But where else are you going to get great talent? And, you know, that's what they look at. I remember um, at, uh, you know, through our history, we've been around, coming up on seven, eight years now, um, at different puncture, you know, like, if we had, like, three, you know, questionable reviews, people would bring it up in the job interview. Like, hey, I see there's... 25 good ones, but these three ones that just came up, like, what's going on here? Yeah. And then we would talk about, hey, this is what we did to address it and fix it, and then, like, you you know, you grow out of it. And now, like, um, that's no longer, like, focus on our profile, because, like, the majority of them are are If completely I'm, if I'm
0: not mistaken, Review Truckers pitched on Technori's
1: stage, I think, didn't they? We did many years ago. Yeah. That's what uh, I thought. Like, circa 2012.
0: Yeah. This is, like, right around when, uh, so, like, the first ever pitch, I believe, event was Spot Hero. It was Jeremy from Spot Hero. Wow. And then you guys weren't, yeah, right. That's a throwback. That's a throwback in a bunch of ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you were like right after that. I mean, it could have been too much later. Than
1: yeah, that. I was fortunate. I knew Seth and a couple of the original yep. uh, conspirators, if you yeah, will, yeah, that's uh, a good that, way that kind put of it. to kind of put it all together. And um, you know, really quickly, this was one of those things that was selling out and fulfilling filling the. Well, there wasn't the a place
0: to to do this, which is why when we kind of started, you know, I we exited the event space as a regular kind of on a regular by doing the show because the reality is thankfully this this city's gotten big enough that we needed more more companies but also the investors here i mean people in chicago maybe don't want to hear this or whatever but this is the truth you can't you can only spin around in a circle so many times you need to expand the web and i felt like we were not like And I mean, we technology, but like we, the the city, we weren't. The investors were not looking and getting sniffs at companies outside of here. Yeah. So I just started bringing them in this way. I was like, well, if you're not going to invest, I'm just going to bring them in anyway.
1: The markets definitely changed. You know, when I think about what the angel or VC community was 10 years ago, five years ago, to now dramatically different at all those intervals
0: oh totally all right we're gonna take a quick break here and then we're gonna come back and i believe there's a story of your first job which i am excited to uh it might compare to one of the the founders pitching today so we are uh wgen radio listening right now and we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back we were just kind of spinning off of and and this is a question i like to ask some of the founders who pitch too because it's like i really think you can tell a ton about founders and ceos and leaders in general based on the first job they had what was the first Job, notable job that you had?
1: So, uh, I think the best way to tell the story is uh, the first company I'll, I'll say, like air quotes, ever started. Um, you know, I was probably about 10 years old. Okay. Uh, you know, out front. uh, grew up in the Chicago suburbs and, you know, tree lined street, everything that you kind of think of a majestic childhood, if you will. And um, hot summer day, just like it is in Chicago where it's 90 plus degrees. And, uh, you know, I have my little lemonade stand at the end of the driveway. <laughs> and uh
0: is this just you solo or there are chris friends this is is just just me solo this is
1: this is you know solopreneur hustle driven ever since uh i was a young kid and um the mailman comes by butch you know it was his name because in the how perfect you you know the the mailman's name and And it's uh, butch (laughs) yeah and he's you know he's walking up it's it's really hot and he like kind of takes his arm wipes the sweat from his brow um and i'm like hey butch would you would you like a glass of lemonade And he kind of does one of those things where he's like, you know, pretending like seeing if he's got any cash in his pockets, like moving his hands around. He's like, oh, you know, I can't do it. And I feel like I'm about to lose a sale. So he starts, he starts walking away (laughs) and I go, hey, how about a glass of water? That's free. And he goes, you know what? That sounds great. I scamper off into the house to get him a glass of water. I come back out. My mom is now talking to him. You know, um, some people. I was going to say, you come back out and all the lemonade's gone. (laughs) You know, I, I always joke, but some people uh, drink some smoke. My mom plants flowers. So she was, like, in the front yard, like, planting flowers. And, Butch, how's the kids? What's going on with the family? And he, I give him this up, water. he goes, thank you so much. Takes a sip, pss, spits it right out. My mom goes, what's wrong? Vodka. He goes, that water is boiling hot. Oh. And without skipping a beat, I go, now would you like a glass of lemonade? <laughs> So at ten years old, that was my supply and first demand, and last lemonade stand. Uh, but yeah, I was creating supply and demand curves before I even knew what that was. Uh, oh so God. that that was the uh, the original hustle, if you will.
0: I I would have sworn that for some reason there was vodka in like a trough in your house, and you just like like dad was I don't know what was going on there. Uh, no, it's funny like I've had you know a couple of people on the show that are obviously very successful. We I've we talked about this a bunch of times recently. The the CEO of Guaranteed Rate, uh, Victor. Yeah. His first job, I asked him what his first job, I, I would have sworn it was cutlery. It wasn't, uh, which is not surprising that a you know person who's in the, the loans business would be selling knives. Um, he used to go spray paint people's addresses on the curb and then try to sell the service back to them. So he wouldn't ask. He'd just spray paint the curb and they'd be like, Mrs. Stevens, you owe me. Like That's creating supply and demand, literally. Because then he's going to charge you to get rid of the paint that's definitely a business model. <laughs> I I was trying to think like what was the first thing that I did? And I I mean this is I don't know I'm going to say this and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing like as far as like telling about me as a person who runs companies. My first job, my, my obviously like anybody else, you're going to mow the lawn. Okay? Right. So we're going to give you chores and you're going to you're going to do uh we're going to pay you 10 dollars and whatever it was. Yep. So 10 15 bucks whatever it was to do the lawn or take out the garbage. I really, really quickly realized that, that was not something that I was down for. I needed the money, but I wasn't down to do any of the like the actual labor. And so I recruited all my friends, and I would literally be like, I'll pay you six bucks if you want to mow the back of my Classic lawn. Classic arbitrage. Oh, yeah. yeah. And my mom would come home, and I'd be just playing like Nintendo in the basement, and my friend John Lewis would be just walking around the yard with a lawnmower, and I even got these idiots to bring their own gas. Like I didn't, I didn't even. My family didn't even pay for the gas. My mom was like, "Why is John Lewis mowing our lawn?" And I was like, "Cause he said yes." Where's my six bucks? I like, got making profit on. It. I was I was profitable from the from day one.
1: That's the right way to do it. I don't know. I, I feel like I tell this
0: story, and sometimes people look at me like that's super lazy, and I'm like, I mean,
1: I definitely did that as a child as well.
0: Yeah, like I don't feel like that's lazy. I think that's just like you know, it's like George Carlin says, "Hard workers for people short on talent." I was talented. What do you want me to do? Um okay, so we're going to set up the the con- conversation for the the next, you know, half of the show. We're going to start doing uh the startup pitches. They're going to call in and you and I are going to sort of go back and forth feel free to ask questions of them. But before we do that, I want to ask you what are like what is some of the craziest either experience you had pitching or, you know, you still pitch your company, you still sell the product to people. What's the craziest sort of pitch you've had to be uh present for? Pitch
1: that I've had to give, or whether you gave, it could
0: be like I've, I've talked to people who the craziest pitch is the one they gave. I don't. I'm assuming you're not Fire Festival, so no,
1: not. Uh, although after watching that Netflix documentary, I was like, this seems really easy, uh, right? I was like, if you can do the logistics, which I feel pretty good about, yeah, I we, would just, we just need to hire some Instagram influencers and you have a festival. But I think that was the wrong takeaway from that. Yeah. That's, that was. the I looked at it like, like, wow,
0: I could duplicate this scam. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not the way you want to go about it. Um, but yeah, so like what, what would be an example of like one of the and, and it doesn't have to be like a wild outlandish story, but just like something that I got you got a good one?
1: Yeah, all right let's go. Uh, so you know when you're starting uh, you know like the company like review trackers, first venture company, you're basically at the investors' whims to a certain extent. I mean, I must have pitched probably about 200 investors before we got like our first real investment. and um, one of them sits vividly in my mind and he's a, he's a Chicago investor and uh he's just a funny guy and you know it was like one of those things where i fought up with him a couple of times and like he's like i'll meet you sunday at one o'clock at buckingham fountain and i'm like okay like he's like this is the only time slot i have so i show up and it's at a wine festival so how old are you like, I, I was the, so this is seven eight years ago uh late 20s okay it's so like I'm old enough. That, that wasn't the problem. I
0: don't mean like to, to drink. I just mean like it's one of those things. Like if I'm if I'm a young founder and I'm also talking to investors and people, like I probably don't bring a 23 year old founder. Like you should meet me at Ravinia. Like that's just
1: <laughs> already yeah. not good. Um, but it was uh, you know one of those deals where it was like you know open bar tasting, had a great time, uh, got a chance to pitch and tell the story, and uh, he never he did he chose not to invest. But years later, he's like. You're the one that got away. I should have done that deal, which yeah. uh, brings a little bit of satisfaction. But, so that's a good example. Yeah,
0: that's a good example.
1: Uh, definitely had a few that were like, "Oh, I'm going to be at this nightclub at ten o'clock." And just like all sorts of weird. I, I'm like, if if the only time slot you have is like eleven thirty at a nightclub, we're not. I'm not mean with you. So. It's so
0: like that's a it's such a good point. Like, there's a weird sort of spot where we come in as founders trying to raise money or just partner with people where you are so desperate almost to like get this deal done and there's so much riding on this one thing and you've put so much into this that people say things that should be like massive red flags not that they're bad people I mean sometimes they are but like that it's just not a good fit and you just sort of like look past it because you have to you feel like you just we just got to do this and like if you don't fit with the person if it doesn't like work out symbiotic in a in a way like it's it's never going to be good and I think a lot of founders forget that when they take money even if you're the founder and CEO and chairman, you work for your investors. Like the minute you take money, you have an employer. And I think that's kind of a forgotten fact. Like, do you want to work for this? But yeah, they're wealthy. They can help you. Yeah. Do you want to work for them? And depending on who you are, that eleven o'clock nightclub might or might not be a good yeah. might not be a good fit.
1: Yeah, I serve at the uh the pleasure of the board and the investors, you know, yeah. and our team. Which
0: is a great well, the team thing is all right, because a lot of times you got to pick them. The board, you generally get to pick, but like not really. And then like it depends. Like You start getting real money coming in, and then all of a sudden that board is really not as friendly as it once was.
1: Yeah. They're they're always helpful when it's uh, things are good, but when things go sideways, that's when it gets a little
0: hairy. Well, we're going to find out if things are going to go sideways after this because we're going to have our, our next call, and we're going to take a quick break uh, and go to commercial, correct? All right. We're going to do that, and we will come back. Uh, it's going to be a, a heck of a rest of the show. All right, welcome back to the show, Chris Campbell, CEO, Review Trackers. We are sitting here. We're getting ready to have our first call-in pitch. I'll set him up a little bit. Michael Jansen, he is the CEO of City Zenith. Um, Michael, are you there? Yes, I am. Awesome. All right. Well, first off, I want to say thank you for taking the time to come in. I'm excited to have you pitch. Um, the way it's going to operate in in, in this is we're gonna we're gonna get your elevator pitch. So I'm going to play some music to cue this up. But first, I just want to let you know I want to hear the pitch of what what the business is, why it works, how it makes money. And then we're going to ask you some questions and see if, uh, if not our investment, why someone should invest. Does that sound good?
2: That sounds good. Thanks very much.
0: All righty. Cue the music.
3: This
2: is Michael Jansen. Nice to meet everyone. Thanks very much for tuning in today. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called City Zenith. City Zenith was co-founded by myself and one of the creators of Google Earth, and we're a technology company based here in Chicago with a new digital twin software platform that I'm going to talk about today, which we launched last year and is now starting to capture the attention of the building industry around the world. So, We were recently called uh, one of the most important platform technologies uh, by the Building, Design, and Construction magazine. And the best way to visualize what we do is it's like SimCity, but for real cities and real projects. And we help building owners and architects use data like never before to predict real-world design and operational outcomes in this digital twin environment. Since we launched uh, about nine months ago, we've signed major commercial contracts with Customers like Foster & Partners, Cushman & Wakefield, JLL, W.S. Atkins, Prologis, etc., a lot of very large-scale projects, and we focus on mega projects. We're doing everything from multi-block developments to corporate campuses to even a massive infrastructure project in the U.K., um digital twins you might ask it's a new technology got very hot the past couple of years it's now a one and a half billion dollar industry growing to sixteen billion in just the next three years and digital twinning is just making 3 d virtual replicas of buildings infrastructure other things it's connected to all the data in and around them and once we do that we can use them to op use uh, to operate to optimize performance and predict visual predict and visualize outcomes like Uh, predictive maintenance, energy consumption, and space utilization. Generally, they save owners something like 5 to 25% in operating costs annually when when they're deployed. Our unique advantage as a company is that we have uh, a solution which is able to scale across the entire life cycle of a building, from design and planning all the way through construction and operations, and gives us access to very large customers, as such, we've raised already about six million dollars in the seed round very successfully, and we have a million dollars left in this round, which is now being uh, going live on Republic. And we have kicked that off recently and it's going great. So it's really a pleasure to talk to everyone. This is really kind of last money in and what's been a very exciting ride. And we're getting very near a growth round. In fact, I think by the end of the year, we'll be inviting major institutions to fund our company. so this is a very interesting time for us. Very cool. That's it, Chris.
0: Thank you so much. Um, so here's the deal, Chris. Do you have any questions from from that pitch right off the bat?
1: That was a pretty good pitch, right? Yeah, that was. Uh, well, I read through your your bio, Michael, that you've you've done this before, so um, definitely shows through the.
0: Uh, I was gonna yeah. say, I'm looking at the Republic term sheet. I'm like watching bullet point by bullet point by bullet. I actually read along as he hits up JLL. Uh, so this is great. I want to know, like, what what got you into this line of business because it's we've had a couple people in this space which i would call like i mean you you phrased it perfectly the sim city space where it requires a certain amount of creativity and, and imagination and like city planning zoning it's it's like a it's very complex and there's like very slow moving real estate players involved you have to have incredible vision but also incredible patience what is your background that that sort of got you into this you know the second time around again
2: yeah well thank you uh i'm an architect by training you know i was um, an undergrad at yale and then a graduate student at cambridge in in architecture and i was set on the course to be a a traditional architect if you will i I got um i got introduced to large-scale projects because my career started in asia as a young architect in my 20s you know that was at the time when southeast asia was booming and china and india and all of that and so i was tossed out into that region and to, to, to and put onto these very large projects. And so I got exposed to how complicated it was to do these things and a lot of the tools at the time that were used to, to, to build these projects. And it was hard. You know, we, it, would, it would take 20, 30, 40 different sets of tools to just to execute one project. And fast forward, I got to a point in my career by the time I was 30. I was asked to, to join to join a firm as a partner, and I chose not to. I chose to branch off and start my own, what was like effectively a CAD and BIM services company. We... We made computer-aided design and 3D building information modeling. That's basically a 3D CAD type of work um, for large architecture firms all over the world. We ended up working for, as you know from my background, 30 of the top 50 firms in the world. And it was Sequoia Capital, you know, who famously invested in Google and Yahoo, all these folks. And they invested $13 million in that company, but took it to 500 people and did 5,000 projects. And what I learned was in building that company, not just how to build a, a company fast – but I also learned what the problems of the industry were. We were using like 30 tools as a company just to deliver to our various clients, and our clients were complaining that there was just too many tools, too many disservices, dis- too many data formats, and they really wanted one, one platform for everything that could unify it all and then allow you to achieve efficiencies across the entire lifecycle. So that was the genesis. And, when I, and because I had the Sequoia background, when I spun out of my last company, I asked Sequoia to give me their best recruiter I said, give me a technologist who can understand this vision. And we ended up hiring the CTO, the guy who created Google Earth, of all people. And so he came to us.
0: Quite a hire. Quite a first
2: hire. Quite quite a hire. here's the thing, though. I'll tell you, you asked about the complexity of it. Yes, because the, the, the complexity of this tool is that it marries three different major technologies. One is... What I call the 3D CAD or the BIM, building information modeling world. That's all the 3D data stuff that architects, they, they, don't, they don't make things in paper anymore. They, they, they design three dimensionally, and all those things are, are full of data. That's one world. Then you have the world of GIS, which is all the, all, the, all like the urban context data, all the, the zoning and all that kind of data, all that comes like on, a, on a map. That's another world. And then gaming. Gaming is the world that allows you to take all this and, and stream it nicely and make it easy to use. And that's the world that the gentleman from Google Earth came from. So we've always had this kind of mix of people that come in and help unify these different technologies together to get the platform that we have. Chris.
1: Yeah, Michael, um, just kind of curious. I saw some of this on the, the Republic page as well, but could you kind of walk us through your revenue model? Is it like one time fees, subscription? You know, how do you, how do you hope it's gonna work?
2: We are an enterprise based SaaS subscription model that's augmented with professional services in order to deliver our solution. So, we give a customer a digital twin solution. They get the platform with their buildings and data loaded into it that they then use um, as a SAB as subscription over the lifecycle of that asset. So, all of our uh, contracts have recurring revenue of about two thirds to three quarters that recurs every year. And we also have additional professional services that we charge up front, like modeling and data loading, in order to actually create the twin itself. That comprises the majority of our revenue model.
1: So saying these buildings are being built for the next 100 years, are you, I mean, do you think there will be a subscriber if they own the building the next 100 years? Is that kind of how you think about it? Is it indeed-
2: I do. The mega projects are all multi-year. So the contracts we're getting aren't just, you know, three months and out. They're multi-year. Uh, we signed a contract with the uh, the what's called the East West Rail Alliance in the U.K. to do a high-speed bullet train that goes from, oxford to cambridge this is actually something that's visible online uh, and that project will run eight years you know so this this these kind of recurring revenue streams when they're multi-year they really add to our valuation as a company of course because it's 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 guaranteed downstream revenue too
0: i want to ask you uh, one last question before they do go and it's probably too long of a an answer but i'm gonna ask it anyway Um, you talk about having the the guy who built Google Earth, but you also talk about your own experience working with these gigantic companies and sort of understanding how the sausage is made. And I think when I talk to founders, young, old, repeat, not, um, the one thing that gets lost is they, they get really concentrated in on the technology that's going to enable this business to take place, and they forget about the fact that the experience of, strategic partnerships and knowing what partners you need to get and how to close them seems to me to be the most important do you do you think that for you if you were to launch this again right now i mean that's really early so i don't know why you would launch again right now but point is do you think the more valuable part of this and obviously they go together but do you think the more valuable part of this is going to be your ability to understand the partnership piece of this and how it all comes together or is it the technology or do you really think that without either one of them it's no good
2: well, what's happening is that we're forging partnerships with massive companies. We just signed contracts with you know, who, by the way, just won the, the Google campus, uh, the $17 billion company. We're working with W.S. Atkins. We're working with all of our partners are, are, and clients are huge. I think the success is both. The technology has to continue to be superior, um, and we have to continue to work with them highly collaboratively. Um, that is what's not in the market today. They're sick and tired of buying things out of the box and then trying to stitch them together to other things out of the box. Yep. But they want to something a platform which is very extensible and customizable that they can build upon, and that's why we're having success.
0: I think this is great, uh, Michael. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to pitch this. Uh, best of luck to you. Where do people go to uh, to get into the deal?
2: Well, they can go to the the Republic deal right now. It's Republic Co C O backslash City Zenith C I T Y Z E N I T H, and you can see more about the company there. We have a great start and we welcome you all especially people from the chicago area please thank you
0: of course yeah and i will be posting this on technoria and my pages on twitter at katoon at Technori. it'll be posted there um and i believe last time i looked it was about one hundred and five thousand invested with about 100 days left on this uh so there's That's plenty right. of time for people to, to get involved and um so yeah thank you so much for taking the pitch
2: you bet you too thanks everyone
0: of course take care all right chris we're going to take a break in a second but i got to ask you first first thoughts on this Thumbs up, thumbs down, winner. Where are you at? Thumbs up. Count me in. I can't agree more. I think uh, when you get a founder who knows exactly what they're doing and they're that like strategic about every single thought, there are times where I literally don't have to listen to the rest of the business pitch. It's like, I whatever. You'll figure it out. You're clearly smarter than me. You'll figure it out. I'm, I'm in. So yeah, I'm, I'm in with that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We will maybe talk a little bit about sort of the experience, your first experience listening to this and sort of all of the things that go into building a good company. We will be back right after this. All right, we are back here. Uh, we're, we're we're like trading. There's a show. This show should have no commercials. So if you're a sponsor of a big company and you like this show, you should call. I don't know what the number is. You can just email me at hello at Technori. And we'll work out a sponsor deal where this show does not have any commercials and you can hear all of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Because I swear to God, especially as we start getting these co-hosts in here. The back part of the show might actually be better than the front part of the show. I'm just saying. Uh, I was in the middle of, you're going to get to hear the rest of a story that you didn't hear the front of. And for that, I'm apologizing. So we were talking about this off the air, about the fact that founders a lot of times get the the really nice, uh, you know, ah, you know, let me know when it's when you get some traction kind of thing. And I just think that, like, it's it's what this is. Not a good start to this new segment, but uh, it's what Jordan Belfort, the scam artist, Wolf of Wall Street guy, calls a looky-loo. The worst thing a salesperson can ever encounter is a looky-loo. Someone's like, oh, yeah, I love the product. Not going to buy it. Never intended to, but don't tell you no, and so you just keep wasting time with them. And I don't know if it's because they like the attention or what. Looky-loo investors and people who hear a pitch and then let that person scramble away with, like, totally lost I just I think it's a mistake. I I I got the most out of my pitches to people who were like, "That's a stupid bleep idea," and I'm like, "All right, I have to consider like either my idea is bad, it's not going to change my course of action. Either my idea is bad, or I have to realize if that's who I'm trying to sell my business to, and I can't. That's their response. I have trouble. Do you? I mean, do you you see what I'm saying with this? Like,
1: absolutely. Yeah. I mean it. It totally depends on, like, we'll call it the audience. So yeah. I think family members, it could be the dumbest idea in the world. Families going to be like, oh, I love what— Not you know, my family. My, the, <laughs> okay. What, uh, you know, nephew uh, Charlie's doing yeah. or, you know, Sarah just built. Um, oh, really? A, a toothbrush for dogs that's electric. Oh, that's—, that's That probably, actually that's isn't a, a terrible part. idea. I don't— Maybe, I mean, okay. my, I can't— I was trying to think of, like, something off the wall. Maybe that's not that crazy in today's world when hey. I— that's a huge market my friend. Okay. <laughs> I, the, All right. <laughs> both
0: the tooth care, the vanity, and the pets? Are you kidding? You've got like a trillion dollar market
1: in front of you. Yeah, but it's only allowed it only, you only, it have only good ideas in space or something.
0: Yeah. yeah. But still, we're investing in SpaceX. Bezos is going. You are you're flushed with good ideas. I want to so I'll, I'll finish the story with this guy that I, I'm not going to say the names. I might drop one name just cuz he's he's a, a friend and it's funny and he would think this is funny. Um we had a founder come in, and, and he was very nice, and the, and the product is not terrible. Uh, but he made a bunch of rookie mistakes. He met a bunch. Of, we had a Cubs game we hosted this past day, uh, week with a bunch of great founders. My good friend Patrick Tenuse, ts to t If you go to Target, go buy ts to t That's my, my I'm a fan plan. of
1: it. We drink it in our office. Boom. Uh,
0: so Patrick is an honest fella. And the founder came up and was pitching his business, and Patrick said, Hey, bro, you got it at gmail.com on your business card. That's a no-no. And he was like, well, you know, we're not up and running, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, you can't afford $5 a month for a business Gmail? Like, right off the bat, dude, the kid was stunned. And you know what? It affected the way he pitched after that. And that, to me, is something that you're not ready to be a CEO running and handling people's money. Because you took one thing, got shaken, and it got a little bit off kilter. And that's a small thing. You should have just... That's not something you can't just be like thank you for the point, and then continued, he he like shook, so then anyway, I, I sent him to a couple other VCs in town, and, and I, I prepped them ahead of time, very early, was doing a favor, because he was coming into town, from out of town, and I wanted to be, you know, a good host to Chicago, and the the person I sent him to, shook him like, like my dog shakes its toy, and it was like, what, what, what the hell, and I honestly felt like, it was the best possible thing for him because he he had to learn. And, and the, I'll, I'll quote what and the person who met with him wrote me an email and told him what he said, and I'll share it with you, the audience, and, and Chris. And I think you'll get a kick out of it. He said to them, "You got to know who you're meeting with. You have to know what stage you are and what stage they are. And a waste of my time is not on an early stage deal that I'm not going to invest in. That's not the part that wastes my time. What wastes my time is you didn't your game wasn't up high enough." So now you're reaching on a rim you can't dunk on, and it's a waste of time. And there, there, there's something to be said. I think it was a really smart comment. There's something to be said about when I know I want to meet with with the biggest dogs. I want NEA. I want all these these Sequoias. But I'm not ready. I don't have a product or, or a proposition or, or a track record that warrants that. So no, I'm not going to take a long shot and then pitch in front of them and get destroyed.
1: Yeah. I think to a certain extent some of that – and you know, part of it's mentors, advisors, prepare you, get you ready. But like somebody got to fall on your face a few times and be willing to get back up. And I think that's part of being an entrepreneur. It's like most people do things that everyone else thinks is crazy and not possible. And you have to fight through that uh, adversity to get to the other side. And a lot of times it has those, it should hopefully have those tough conversations to go, you know, this, this is terrible. This sucks. This needs to be better. Um, You know, that's why well, I was we telling all, we you. We all go through those evolutions, you know? That's what
0: I was saying before this about the point of, like, bad, the not Loki Lou, the bad advice. Like, I'll just be honest. Real feedback. I would like to have those fall my face moments at the tiers that are just slightly above me, not at the top, like, the ultimate. Like, I don't want the person who I'm going to try to raise 10 from to throw me against the wall when I'm trying to raise 10,000. And, like, because right. you, you see... And that tells you...
1: Like, hey, man, kudos for, for reaching out, but like, know who you are. Yeah, that's something I talk about internally on in my team. I'm like, because sometimes you are like, people, you know, new hires, like, what does your job look like? And the reality is, like, every six to nine months, it changes because I yep. constantly have to level up. I'm focused and working on different priorities, getting more strategic, less tactical, if you will. And that same thing happens. Like, if you're pitching an angel investor conversation versus a true institutional investor, completely different expectations of what you how you pitch, your story, materials, revenue, whatever.
0: Angels are tar- taking long shots, and they're fine with it. Well, they're not, but they're they they they're supposed to be. Institutional rounds, like we were talking about this, we won't get into the people who here, but you raise a certain amount of money, and there is a only above this you know level does this qualify as a success. You set yourself up for a massive failure, more than likely. You better know that.
1: I was at dinner uh, this week with a... Um some investors and they told the story of how they were the early money to a company that just call it 10 million then they raised a monster round from uh a valley and it was one of the you know tier one funds and they came in and said we're not fucking around like every day at like five o'clock we're having a phone call like for an hour you tell me about the progress of the day and we got to grow the company faster etc and um at the end of it like uh the ceo was was canned uh, because he couldn't keep up with how fast they were telling me he's got to step on the gas. It, it still grew it from like a $10 million to a $75 million business like in what was like two or three years. But they're like, this is shy of 500 where it needs to be.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think it's, uh you know, honestly, I really think that people don't quite understand what they're getting into. And we, we were talking about we'll plug them right now because we talked about it before generator. I really like what the guys at Generator do because they set the table for what they, the – is arbitrage the right word? It, like what the game is.
1: Yeah, Joe There's and, like five games going on. Uh, Joe and Troy do an excellent job of helping businesses. Like, I mean, they helped us. We went through the program. It, in 90 days, we tripled in, in revenue. Um, there's not many places that I think you can do that and execute on.
0: Totally agree. All right. We have to take uh, one more commercial, then we're going to go to news, and then we're going to come back with another pitch for everybody. I'll be right after this. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Catoon. Joining me for uh, today's show, Chris Campbell. He is the CEO of Review Trackers. Uh, I'm just going to apologize in case people heard it. There was an F bomb slipped, Chris, on accident. And uh, I just want to apologize in case anyone was offended by that. It was not intended.
1: Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. Got passionate about sharing the story. We're
0: passionate entrepreneurs. So I just want to make sure that we're good there. Okay, we're going to kick it over here. Do we have our, our next call is on the line, right? Okay, so Danny is uh, on the line. He's the CEO of, of Salsa God, so like that's awesome. Uh, Danny, I want to first thank you for coming and calling into the show, um, and I want to apologize because I'm going to nerd out on food, and I might confuse people as to what your business is because I just love salsa that much. So I, I'm just going to preface this by saying I apologize ahead of time if I get lost and hooked on your salsa.
3: That's that's totally fine. We love people that love salsa.
0: <laughs> that's why they call you the Chief Amigo. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to play my little uh, elevator pitch beat here, and after that at the bell, you are going to start pitching the company. I want to know uh, why you exist. I want to know what you do, and I want to know how you make money. Sound good?
3: Sound good. Sound good. Salsa God is a um, better for you snack food brand, snack brand food company specializing in restaurant style salsas, tortilla chips, and soon to be releasing a line of fresh salsas and further going to just diversify into additional Mexican food products. Salsa God was started in 2016 and we launched into 55 Whole Foods stores and now we currently have approximately 2,250 stores. We're in two countries, so we're distributing both U.S. and Australia, soon to be releasing our product into Canada, so we're going to be exporting to three countries, Uh, and we are very, very excited about our newest product, which is a chips and salsa combo pack. I couldn't believe it, but no one had done this before, at least not very successfully, so we now have a product. It's a grab-and-go item, four-ounce cup of salsa, and a three-ounce bag of tortilla chips all in one. So that's going to be hitting convenience stores soon, pretty soon going to be in airports, going to be all over the country. So we're really excited about that.
0: (laughs) I had to woohoo you. I couldn't help it. I'm so excited.
3: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, we are super excited about it. So, you know, about a year ago, it took pretty much a year from conception to releasing the product. I was at the store and I'm thinking, you know, let's get some chips and salsa just to kind of snack on. Well, there isn't anybody that makes a good chips and salsa, at least not big enough to actually be a full snack. So, after doing a little investigation, I, you know, I thought if no one's done it before, then someone has to do it, and that someone has to be salsa guy. So, we had just released our product, and it's soon going to be in at least seven hundred to a thousand stores in the next couple months. So, we're really excited about that.
0: Awesome. All right. So, here's the thing. First off, I want to congratulate you on getting away from being a lawyer. So I just want to get that out of the way. Lawyer yeah. to Thank salsa you. is always a great transition. Um, I told the story, I don't know if I said it on the air or off the air, to Amy Guth, who was on before this show. And I, I told her, like, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff to this business, and obviously, like anything else, you know, it's about getting in stores and it's building products and it's, you know all that kind of stuff. But the idea of pairing chips and salsa is brilliant and so simple and, like, ridiculous, quite honestly, that it hasn't been done. Because I, I think about it. How many times do I grab – I either have, like, my go-to cheap Seven Eleven salsa or the one that I, like, really like, and then you just grab whatever chips are there, and it's like, why are we not pairing the, the chips and the salsa should be built together? Why are we not doing that? And you have cracked the code on this.
3: Well, thank you. I mean, definitely, you know, if you're – we think that the tortilla chip sort of stands alone as the best way to enjoy salsa, especially enjoy it on the go. So, you know, we wanted to have control over the entire product experience rather than letting, you know, someone try our delicious salsa and then ruin it with a chip that just doesn't live up to our standards. Well, I told Plus you. we also wanted to, add, yeah. And we wanted to add the portability of it. So currently in the really, your option is to go buy a very large, 16 ounce bag of tortilla chips and a 16 ounce jar of salsa. Not very convenient for an on the go snack.
0: No, I would say not. Um, so, Chris, I want to get off of food for a second and talk about actual business. You, what do you see here? What are questions you might have about this?
1: So, what do you think the biggest obstacles are to scale this? Because as I think about like you know the grocery aisle, the the store aisle, like there's just more and more brands, you know, more and more selections and choices. How do you take? How do you get that valuable sh- shelf space? Because that seems like that's going to be really difficult.
3: So yeah, that's a great question. Um, One of the biggest obstacles is getting in front of the buyer. So if you think about the sort of natural specialty food industry, there are tens of thousands of different brands all trying to get the attention, especially in the grocery category, which is sort of, you know, canned goods, sauces, condiments, dips. Um, You're trying to get the attention of one buyer. So the biggest sort of obstacle for me initially was how do I get that buyer's attention? So Started out by doing food trade shows, and that's, you know, how I got my first big account, Whole Foods. Um, And since then, you know, I continue to do these trade shows, but uh, there's sort of, I don't know if it's a necessary evil. I wouldn't call it a necessary evil, but it's a necessary part of the business, and we use brokers. So a broker, a food broker, basically represents, uh, you know, anywhere from like 20 to 100 brands, and they're able to get, get the attention of the buyer. They have sort of, you know, set appointments. And then they can pitch the brand to the buyer. So that was always like the hardest part for me. And so we have uh, we've hired brokers. Now we have brokerage coverage in California, Chicago, sort of like the Midwest area, Rocky Mountain, the Southeast, and soon going to be hiring a broker for the Northeast. So we've uh, I think we've cracked that part.
0: I think also when you start you you put this combo together being the first ever, I really do think that like is a separator because. If I were to look and on the go, I think about tailgating, obviously, but I also just think in general, like I'm going to plug a Chicago company, Food uh, Farmers Fridge. I love the guac chip combo they have because, like the guac is good. I don't know what it would be like with like a Tostito. I don't know if it would be as good or not, but I know that paired with the exact type of chip that they have, which is sort of like a grain chip, it's unbelievable. And so the oh, yeah. ability for a quick, a quick bite and know that it's good, and, and then you be able to, like, add skews and, and really unique flavor combos. The chip companies, or the salsa companies for that matter, neither one of them are really positioned well to, like, alter their process. So if you come in with that, there's a nice little competitive advantage, at least long enough for you to get brand recognition to where, like, when they start knocking you off, it doesn't matter.
3: Yeah, so we released this product at the Summer Fancy Food Show. And I could not believe the positive responses that we got. So just ordinarily trade shows, I kind of have to work a little hard to get buyers in to come to, to look at the products. But with this, they would see it. They'd instantly come talk to me. And, uh, you know, a few people were like, listen, this product is so good, you're going to have to look over your shoulder because the big, big boys might be coming after you soon. But like you mentioned, I mean, it does take a long time for any of these sort of behemoth uh, CPG companies to – release a new product. They go through you know tons of iterations of consumer testing. So we think that we do have at least hopefully six to nine months um, first mover advantage here in the space. And that should give us time to get this brand recognition. I think our packaging looks amazing too. And that, that also helps. It will definitely help with the consumer to pick it up and right. give it a shot.
0: I totally agree with you. Where do people go to invest in this company?
3: So to go to, to invest in a company, go to republic.co slash Salsa God.
0: I love this name, by the way. I have to tell you, it's Salsa God. Uh, and I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the page right now, which we're sharing on, on social at Technorian at Katoon. You can, you can find it there. Uh, the packaging, you are right. This is pretty dope. Um, I'm a huge fan. I don't know if this is like any inspiration here, but we talked about ts to t speaking of which earlier, Um They had an investor from the Jimmy John's guy, and I I just love the brand packaging where you've got it sort of like succinctly. Like, you know, lime, you know, you know, like, you know exactly what the flavors are based on the packaging. You don't have to like read it. You know exactly what it is and what it does. I think it makes it simpler for for consumers. So uh, I like this a lot. Uh, I want to appreciate and and thank you for for taking the time to come and call in, and uh, hopefully people, you know, throw some money your way.
3: Thank you very much. And just uh, you know, an interesting flavor that we're releasing something else that no one else has done is we're releasing our Sriracha salsa very soon. So I'm everyone sorry. loves Sriracha hot
0: sauce. Oh, no. and I we are cigarettes be- and salsa. I was like, I'm not in on that one. But I, S- Sriracha salsa, is that what you said? Yes. Yes, I'm in with that. I, I think that's a fantastic plan. Thank you very much for, uh, for shouting that out. Alrighty. All righty. Well, thank right. you very much, Scott. Of course. Take care, Danny. Okay. Bye-bye. Alrighty, we are gonna come back and, and talk about that pitch after this little break. All right, Chris, you have heard the pitches. I am gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna give a a sound bite of my feeling on this on the company that he did based solely on the fact that I love salsa. So he gets the sound on that one. I love salsa. I think I think it's a tough space. I think he's gonna have a hard time with the space. Although, I, if I read correctly, he's got some experience. He's in a bunch of stores. He got Whole Foods. Doesn't necessarily mean successful,
1: but I do think that that pairing thing is legit. The there's something under the pairing, like putting it together, and yeah. I kind of wonder how that hasn't happened before, right? But you know, to your point, like salsa. I mean, it's got to be a competitive category. I was at the grocery store trying to buy mayonnaise, and there had to be like fifty different kinds. Yeah, and just trying to figure out what's the difference. Uh, I I mean, see, it's like salsa's got to be even wider.
0: Yeah, so like where I'm where I'm stuck in this is like, I don't I have a hard time investing in food type products, period, because of just how competitive and difficult it is. But the the combo thing with salsa, I think, is almost unique in a way that like cheese and wine is like, think of this. Like if I, if I, and I'm actually a fan of the garbage. I don't know. What is it? Pace like the pace, medium cilantro. Like I, I like that this one really actually why it sells. Yeah, it sells. I like it. Um, but, it, but and I, what I like about it is that I can go to anywhere with it, with any chips and it's fine. And there's something to be said for that, the simplicity of it. But imagine where you have the control to create baller flavors, That only explode more when paired with the right chip. Like you, all of a sudden, there's like a whole other line of things that they can do with it. Which normally, you might not do a sriracha type flavored salsa because what chips you get could make it taste terrible.
1: No idea, right? Yeah. It's
0: like all of a sudden, there's like a whole other play there that got my attention.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm kind of following you now with the wine and cheese pairing, and then going the chips and salsa. I don't know. If I'm sure, there's a lot of salsa lovers out there just like you that are like. This is, you know, I've been dreaming about this. Why is it taking so long? I,
0: I th- And then and here's another part, like, to get kind of strategic. So, like, I, I grew up with uh, RX Bar Peter Rahal. And Great business. We, you know, fantastic business. Exited $600 million bucks to Kellogg's. One of the things that he did was, I think, never gets talked about. Super innovative. He found a way to get himself not sitting down next to all the protein bars, and he found his way to not get sitting down necessarily right next to all of the candy bars. So he wasn't like an alt like kind bar. It's a small little niche that if you sell, if people take the product and like it, they will move you to the front of the aisle cuz it's it's dollars. And what if you if you go to Target even now, it's not in the protein random bar, which means how I don't know 80% of the people who go into the Target aren't going to go sure. down that aisle. But if you're a person who goes down like the the apple juice boxes and the kind healthier food but not quite protein bar aisle. You're going to see it, and so by creating a brand around a concept that's like it's it's a meal, it can be a protein bar meal replacement, or it can be because you just like the bar like you do kind. It's and you know so you're he packaged it just so that like the every every man would walk down the aisle, and that ultimately because the sales were good, he gets moved to the front. But right. that it's like he created something about the product in in the product and in the branding that enabled him to create shelf space for himself where there wasn't and that's what i'm when i think of the salsa that's what caught my attention was like yeah it's really cool for me and you to like have salsa combo but you just did is you took me away from the salsa and away from the random bags of a thousand chips and you put me hanging on the corner of the aisle where two are paired because they know that you're you're a grab and go so if you can brand it right and people buy it, it it already incentivizes the stores to put it somewhere else
1: Interesting. I didn't know that RX story. I have a couple boxes in my cupboard, though. So at home. I had an RX on the way in today. Yeah, I had the, the peanut
0: butter one. I love it. I was actually just Instagramming Peter the other day. He is uh, enjoying his view in Miami. Things are good. <laughs> Life is good. Um, but yeah, so, so how, i, I got to ask you before we end. This, like, how, how, is your, how would you rate your experience today? Do you want to co-host shows? Do you want to host your own show?
1: I mean, I think you definitely have the radio voice, so I don't think this is... Is uh... that a way of saying I'm ugly? Is that, <laughs> listen, my wife tells me no. I have a radio voice every day. No, uh, no, I really enjoyed the experience. It, it's fun to talk through stories and hear the entrepreneurs uh, like Michael and Danny uh, hearing their story of, you know, they're in the stages of building and uh, that's like a fun time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think I think of those days fondly, but also like, man, that was hard. I uh, was just kidding. And, and, and uh, I don't want to do that again, but, uh, um, you know, the... It's unlike any other experience, and the sacrifices and the the pain and pleasure at the same time is just kind of it's it's wild. And when you build those success stories like RX Bar, yep. um, it can be a lot of fun and and very rewarding.
0: I I was just gonna say we only have like a minute and a half and change left here, but I I there's something about that entrepreneur PTSD thing that like I get every time I hear the story. It's like oh man, like. And does that make me, like, is, does that mean that there's different kinds of entrepreneurs? Like, I was speaking of Peter. Now, granted, he had huge success. He wants to get back in and, and do something else. Not just this minute he's going to enjoy it a little bit, but, like, he wants to get right back into something else. He went through hell to get here. And now, granted, it had a great outcome, so maybe that makes you want to do it again because you think you can or, or you, you know you can. But, like, <clears throat> there are parts of the, the beating that I took and take trying to keep this thing rolling that like i don't know if i if i have like the stomach for it
1: the the best analogy i have uh or this i always hear people compare to is like having kids you know that the i'm first... dealing with that right now and, too and my wife is the one that had it but i am like this is crazy and the first six months you're sleepless but man by the time they're two years old you forget all about that they're talking they're walking around they're a lot of fun and have a personality and you're like hey this wouldn't be so bad it doesn't matter that i didn't sleep for six months you say that everyone says this to me and i'm
0: thinking <laughs> are you crazy Like, I don't, I don't know, but you're, you're totally right. I I just think that this, the entrepreneur thing, I guess what I enjoy about this show is having the companies call in and they're like, it's their problem. (laughs) Like we can just sit there and be like, oh yeah, that's a, sounds like a great idea, but uh, you know, that's, that's future you problems.
1: I don't know. Well, I guess the takeaway should be I'm going to go to the Whole Foods and see if I can get a chips and salsa combo I am box.
0: I Did he say, is it local Chicago salsa here? or is he, He's in a bunch of Whole Foods or all of them. I don't know. I definitely am going to check it out. We had a company call, uh, it was a Blendtopia call in, and they are at Whole Foods, and it was basically like the packages of pre-made blend. Like the fruit, everything's frozen, the seeds, the, whatever you want in it, and you just dump it in your bullet and you're good, and it's awesome. They're at Whole Foods. I actually tried them out. So some of the food companies have come on here have been fairly successful. I'm in wrap it up all right well at this point uh, i want to say thank you so much for for taking the time and coming in and, and joining us uh where do people go and where do companies go to either follow you or to uh catch up and follow and, and work with review trackers
1: scott thanks so much for having me on uh so review trackers you can find us on the web if you got a business that's looking to track reviews reviewtrackers.com uh we're also hiring we have dozens of open roles check it out reviewtrackers.com slash careers and uh just because i know my mom's listening hi mom That was
0: very nice. My mom is listening as well. Hi, mom. All right. If you want to check out our podcast or anything else, go to technore.com. Follow us on social at TechNore. You can follow me at Katoon. That's a wrap.